what, what if, what if you have left one gift unopened this Christmas season? What if the most important gift you could ever have in your whole life you left in the corner behind the desk? We know that Ralphie ends up opening the Christmas gift, right? And it's the one he always wanted. And I want to talk to you today about a truth that we miss every year, I think, at Christmas. And it's this, that God has given us gifts. What if we are missing the very gifts that God has given us? Given us to do these things that we say every Sunday in worship. Glorify God. Live the way you'd have us to live. In fact, the book of James tells us this. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's our brother James says to us. In Matthew 7, 9 through 11, I want to read to you this. We're going to have a lot of scripture this morning, but I want to read this as we get started, and then I'll, uh, we'll go on from there. 7, 9. For I myself, this is not making sense to me, I apologize. Okay. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? This is Jesus speaking, folks. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That comes right after ask, seek, knock. You know, do you think you hit some out of the park this year with your kids? Did you do that? We, we did, right? If you think you can give good gifts to your children, what makes you think that God doesn't have great gifts for you? Testimony from Jesus' own lips. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, verse 1. We're going to start right there. Yes, Brett says. All right. 12.1. Paul writes, we're going to read three, three things that Paul wrote about gifts here. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. And by the way, brothers there can mean Christians. It means any believer. So about spiritual gifts, Christians, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans or unbelievers, somehow, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by this Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them. Amen. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and to another the message of knowledge and spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Starting in verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the common good. One there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and another is a gift of knowledge by means of that one and same Spirit. To another the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by that Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. And another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. 
the body is a unit, and though it is made up of many parts, through all of its parts are many, though all of its parts are many, they form but one body. That's what Matt was talking about earlier. So it is with Christ. So do you hear that? Everyone has been given a gift. I, I guess my frustration with this is that, that, that we can change the world through the power of God, and we've all been given a gift. It says everyone's been given a gift. And the question is, I have for you this morning, have you opened your gift from God yet? Because I gotta tell you, it's way cooler than a we. It's way more transforming than anything you've dug out from under the tree this year. And it's not just gonna transform you, it's gonna be for the common good, the common good. You know, I wrote a note when I was preparing for this, I wrote, well, the spiritual gifts are for the body, right? Paul says, take special care of the saints. This text, Paul says, it's for the common good. It's for the good of everyone. Let's read on. We're going to turn next to Romans 12, again, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. Paul, again, speaks to us and says, Therefore I urge you, Christians, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given me, I say to each of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you should, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form but one body, and each member belongs to every other member. Each member belongs to every other member. We have different gifts according to the grace that was given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If a man's gift is serving, then let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of, the, of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, then let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, then let him show it cheerfully. Continuing in verse 9, Love must be sincere. Therefore, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor each other above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now these gifts, they sound a little different, don't they? They're like teaching and encouraging and serving and contributing. You know, sometimes we act like there's this like high holy gifts that God's given us. These, and, you, and you sit there and you say, oh, well, God hasn't given me any gifts to do that stuff. Has God gifted you to be a teacher? Has God gifted you to be a servant? What is it that God has put under the tree for you? And have you opened it? Are you using that to God's glory? The last one from Paul here, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 1. We're going to skip around a little bit. I'm going to read verse 1, verse 7, and then verse 11. Verse 1 says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, verse 7. Wait a minute. Did you all hear that? I didn't hear that. Listen to this. 
Verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to live a life that's worthy of the calling, of the vocation that has been placed upon you. Somewhere else in scripture I read this week, it says, God's calls, it might be right up here in verse, in the chapter 3, it says, God's calls are irrevocable. They can't be taken back. He says, live in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. In verse 7, but each one has grace been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he's given gifts to men. Now verse 11, it is he who gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Whew. You know, the problem with Paul sometimes is he's so thick. Do you get that? Like, there's so much stuff in there. I just want to dig out a couple of things because the trouble is we're just going to run through these passages today, and, and we'll hear these again at some point. But I just want to, that God has given everyone gifts. And here Paul says this. I want to catch the very end of this. He says, he's given gifts, and I would say all these gifts, but Paul's saying here, apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers, right? You say, well, I'm not an evangelist. You got any lost friends? Because either you're an evangelist. I mean, you're an evangelist either way. You're just really good or really bad at it. Okay, let's just say that. Because people are watching you. People are watching you. If you claim Christ as your own, they're looking at you and saying, what is she doing? What is he doing? How are they walking? You are evangelizing the lost in the way you live your life. And Paul says here in verse 12, that gift you've been given is to prepare God's people for works of service. Now, we get that part, right? Because we're the church and we're going to serve. We've been doing that. Some come up in January again. We're going to go out and serve the community, preparing them for works of service. But listen to this. So that the body of Christ might be built up. Now, I always read that to say, so that we might become better Christians. You think that's what it says there? I think it's probably what it says. But you know what else I think it says? So that maybe those lost folks can come in here and hang out with us. How cool would that be? Come on in here and check this out. And not to come and be preached at. See, this is my problem right now because I don't want to be preaching at lost folks because the Holy Spirit's doing the work. I don't have to do anything, anything to bring them to God because God is doing it. I'm just here to speak the truth, and the truth comes from the Word. To prepare God's people for works of service so that this body of Christ, this body of Christ universal throughout the world might be built up. Here we go. Until all Everyone, all reach unity in the faith. You know, it's one thing they want to be reconciled to Christian churches, right? What about everyone coming to faith in Jesus Christ? Everyone. You think there's anyone that God doesn't love enough to send his son to die? Anyone? There's no one. And God's given us gifts. God's called us to be evangelists and teachers and preachers and healers and servers to draw people in. To draw people in. You know, the interesting thing, all these words, every time I've said the word gifts from Paul, tell you, you know what the, gift, the word gift is? It's charisma, right? And you go, oh, the charismatics <laughs> with their gifts. Get, get this. The root for charisma is grace. Man, have you ever been around somebody that's so graceful you just can't help but like them? 
Like, you just can't help but love these people because they're so darn graceful. That's what God's gifting you with. That's the ability, whatever you're doing, just to be such a blessing, to be such a graceful person. And not in a false way, because we have bad days, right? But what about in a bad day, you're still graceful somehow? You know? Can we figure that one out? He's given you the charisma, the gift, the grace to draw all men unto himself so that we might all reach the full measure of Christ. So that is, this, now just to wrap up a little bit here, right, from what Paul's saying to us. He's named a bunch of gifts. Now, we had a conversation at Christmas dinner this year about gifts. It was kind of funny, right? Here we're at Christmas, we're talking about gifts and giftedness, spiritual giftedness specifically. And someone was talking about, well, what's on the list? Well, that's not on a list. Well, this is on the list. That's on the list. I can, well, here it is. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What gift do you have that God hasn't given you? What gift do you have that God hasn't given you? I just want to know. Everything you have is a gift from God. That is to say, you were born with gifts. Do you ever hear those guys who can just play ball? Man, those guys frustrate me when I was a kid, right? Because I, I tried. I couldn't play ball. Those guys have a gift. Where does that come from? From the creator, God. A natural gift. So I don't want you to think, like, look through this list. If I can't find my gifts, everything you are, everything that you have, everything that is in your ability to use, God has given you to glorify him. And the second part of this is spiritual gifts. So here's this idea. When do you receive natural gifts? At birth. You're just born with it. Like you didn't do anything to be a great ball player. You didn't do anything to be a great whatever it is you're great at, right? It was just given to you. You don't deserve it. Can I get an amen on that? You know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, wait. Who in here was no good at sports? All right, can I just say this? Uh, for all of us, three of us. <laughs> um, you don't deserve it. No, I'm just kidding. So you, but you do practice, right? You work hard. There are those athletes. I'm not saying that. There are those who are naturally gifted, though, right? Second thing, though, is spiritual gifts. These come at the time of rebirth. Do you know that? Do you know that the day you profess Jesus Christ your Savior, you are bestowed with stuff that you probably may not, you may not have even opened yet. And God just got it sitting there in the corner behind the desk, and he's saying, look in the corner. And you're like, ooh, look at all this stuff I got. Look in the corner. That's what God is saying to you right now. Whew, look in the corner. Why do you have it? For the common good and to unify everyone in the faith. Hmm. And it's given to you. So here's the question, right? I want to ask you a question. Who thinks that you would you use every gift you get? Who thinks that? I mean, not your spiritual gifts. This is going to be like, oh, geez, right? But just let's talk practical terms here. Who's used every gift you've gotten, do you think? Anybody? Yeah, no, nobody's fessing up, right? Uh, I heard this early on in the Christmas season this year, and it really started a, like, thing with me, right? Um, who got gift cards? Yeah, a bunch of us, right? Those are great to give, aren't they? You just go in the store and buy the gift card and you give it away, right? You don't know exactly what they want, but you know they shop at blank, right? Um, guess why they love gift cards, the industry? $8.5 billion billion, $8.5 billion of gift cards go unredeemed each year. 
And I thought, well, that's crazy. And then I looked at my wallet, and guess what I got? I got a Sears card from two years ago. I got Borders gift cards from last year, right? $8.5 billion. We are people who don't even know what we have in our wallets. Do you get that? So that's, the one, that's one thing I wanted to point out, right? Like, we are people who do not use all of our gifts. So we're guilty. Check this out. So I thought I'd try something. I thought, well, what, who cares, you know? So God gave us a gift. Great, you know what I mean? But he's probably cool with us not using it, don't you think? Do you think that's true? Huh? Rick, Rick says no. Anybody else have an opinion? Do you think that God's okay with it? He says, it's okay, Shelly. I gave you this awesome gift, but you don't have to use it if you don't want to, right? So I thought I'd try something this year. Look at that. You know what this is? Do you know what this is? Huh? Yeah, yeah, Rick says it's his gift. It may as well be, because guess what? These are the gifts that my wife gave me for Christmas. And I thought, what would it be like if we ignored gifts from people who love us? What would that look like? And so I didn't open them. And we're all there around that tree, and the paper's flying, and everything's, and the kids are laying there. <coughs> and um, Chris says, we'll, we'll go on, open your gifts. And I said, um, I don't think I feel like it. She's like, what do you mean you don't feel like it? Well, I don't know. I just don't think I want to open my gifts right now. Well, are you going to open them? And I didn't respond to her. You're not going to open them, are you? Right? And the tone of the conversation starts to change dramatically. <laughs> and then she says, after a few minutes of silence at the tree, forgive me, she says, you're being such a jerk about this gift thing. <laughs> and I just went, you know, I was sitting there in front of her, and I'm like, I'm like trying not to, because I really wanted to live this out this week. But I got to tell you, I was sitting there inside my spirit going, yes, wow. God, you must be so frustrated with us. The church of Jesus Christ gifts under the tree. And we're going, nah. Man. How that must make God feel. Not to get too, like, um, like anthropomorphic about it or whatever, right? Just to say that, what is that? So I started thinking about this some more. My perspective on this gift thing from Chris was this. I know that she knows me. I know that she loves me. And I know that she's always given good gifts to me. There was no good reason for me not to open those gifts from her. So why wouldn't I open them? Like, I have no idea. I had no explanation. When she asked me that question, why won't you open them, Bill? I had no explanation for her. She even said to me, she wouldn't let it go, right? And she even said to me, like, days later, she's like, where are the gifts? And I said, well, Chris, they're gifts. I can do what I want with them, right? And she says, uh, so they're mine. <laughs> We're going to have some making up to do after this, right? <laughs> and, uh, and she says, 
I'm not asking again. I'm done with this. Her perspective on this is this, and I'm going to guess here because I didn't ask her, and she can correct me later, right? (laughs) But she had thought these gifts out. She had thought about this. She had planned this out ahead of time. She had wasted or invested time. And see, what is it? It's time invested if I open the gifts and use them, right? It's time wasted if I don't open them. She's wasted her time if I don't open these gifts. Therefore, I have something to do with her work, don't I? Because she could have got all the coolest gifts in the world, but if I refuse to open them, her time has been wasted on me. And then she paid a price for these gifts. She paid a price. Now, how do you think she should respond? What do you think her response should be to me? I'd like to keep this lighthearted, right? I love it. But this is serious. This is serious. Because it's not about me not opening Christmas gifts for a week. It's about Christians living their whole lives and not opening the gifts that God has given them. Every gift, everything you are, every, everything you can think of, you owe back to God. It's just the way it is. I want to read this to you. Uh, Matthew 21, you want to turn with me, you can. Matthew 21, verse 33 through 43. Jesus says, listen to another parable. By the way, this is after Jesus is in the, uh, the triumphal entry. He is in Jerusalem. And he says this, listen to another parable. There's a landowner who planted a vineyard he put a wall around it, he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect the fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, stoned a third, and he sent another servant to them more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, who's he talking to here? Does anybody know? He's talking to the Pharisees, the elders, the teachers of the law, right? That's who Jesus is talking to when he says this. He's talking about how they missed John, by the way. This is what he says. Last of all, the landowner sent his son. And he said this, they will respect my son. But if, when the tenants saw the son coming, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take the inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Well, these teachers said this. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent the vineyard to new tenants who will give him a share of the crop at harvest time. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read it in scriptures? The stone the builders rejected have become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God 
will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruit. I just couldn't believe that last line. Jesus said straight to these folks' face, you will lose the kingdom of God and it will be given to new tenants if you do not use what I have given you. And you say, well, you know, we can get kind of theological and say, well, that's, that was fine because that was Jesus and he was talking about himself, right? He's the son. He's sent in, right? Wait a minute. Before he goes in to Jerusalem, turn with me. Last, last uh, bit of scripture here this morning. Luke 19, verse 9. 19, verse 9. And this is what Jesus said outside of Jerusalem. Jesus had this encounter with this guy named Zacchaeus, right, who climbed up a tree. We all know that story from when we were kids. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house because of this man, who is, because this man too is a son of Abraham. He is also part of the promise. That's what Jesus said before he goes in Jerusalem. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to happen all at once. And Jesus said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. And so he called ten of his servants and gave them, he gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But the subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man as king. He was still made king however, and returned home. Then he sent the servants to whom he had given the money. In or, he sent for the servants to whom he had given this money in order that, to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, said the master. Because you have been trustworthy in the very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second one came and said, Sir, your mina, your gift, has returned five more. His master answered, well, then you take charge of five cities. And then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I kept it laid away, wrapped up in cloth. I was afraid of you because you were a very hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I do not sow? Then why didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I come back, I could collect it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina and give it to, from him and give it to the one who has ten. And they said, sir, he already has ten. And the master replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even that which he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine, who did not want me to be king over them, bring them to me and kill them in front of me. This is serious. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that you are present, present. I pray, Lord, we would see it. 
Lord, today we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you forgive us for all the things that we do that we shouldn't do. That's what always comes to mind, Lord, when we're before you. Boy, I shouldn't have done that, and I shouldn't have done this. Today, Lord, we also ask for forgiveness for all the things that we should have done, but we haven't done. We pray, Lord, you would send your spirit upon us to nurse us back to health in this time of need, that you, Lord, would be glorified, that we would return all gifts to you, that we would draw all, all mankind into the kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.